to positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. Not God Bless America. God damn America. That's in the Bible for killing innocent people. God damn America for treating us citizens as less than human. God damn America. As long as she tries to act like she is God and she is supreme. The Shapiro clip. Or you want me to send it to you? Um, I I have it. I can just play it. Okay, at cool. the beginning. Go I'll, off, Rent Strike King. I'll uh, <laughs> oh yeah, I'll play the the Shapiro clip to lead us in. Um, hello. Uh, how the fuck do I start the show? I forgot. Um, hello is usually. Oh, good greetings. <laughs> I start by saying hello. <laughs> greetings, the damned, and welcome to Pod Damn America. The Goth socialist podcast for idiots. Um, is it is the Alex? Are you enjoying being goth? <laughs> yes. I feel like you. Uh, yeah. Months later, <laughs> we're I fully sleep transitioned in a crib. <laughs> we were beating the crib sleeper. <laughs> you never hear about people being goth in May, and we're gonna get there, and we're gonna break <laughs> the internet. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's the new May Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, hello, <laughs> welcome. I am Jake Flores. Uh, I've got the whole crew in here today. I've got Raghav Meta. Hello, Anders Lee. Goth Anders Lee here. <laughs> and, uh, Alex Patak. I'm emerging from a swarm of bats. <laughs> uh, bitch it in soon. Um, <laughs> and our guest, David Cleon. Hi, uh, thank you for being here. Hey, um, hey. So great to be here. I don't know anything about goths. As we say on the Pod Day America podcast, hello. <laughs> hello. <laughs> Emphasis on hell. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Um, and we don't really either. Um, thank you for being here. Sorry I didn't properly introduce myself. I was real freaked out when everyone showed up today because there's just a man in the building walking around with a clipboard uh, attempting to hand papers to people, which is... The most threatening thing on earth. Canvassing for Bernie 2020. (laughs) Really the worst thing you can do in New York is be a random person (laughs) handing someone a piece of paper. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, because that either means someone's trying to evict you or they just want to talk to you about something. Yeah. Yeah. They want to solve a problem using their grift. (laughs) Yeah. Two years ago, I made my own newspaper, and I would give that to people on the street, and the reaction people had was around the same you're having with this guy <laughs> trying to give you papers. They started a podcast <laughs> about I, it. I just want to say for the audience, I, I since they can't see this, I walk into this loft, and there's a giant tarp hanging from the ceiling <laughs> with these like tubes that like go down from it through the, the window. It's It's ingenious engineering, but... Also, this building is definitely not legal, and yeah. we definitely shouldn't be here. <laughs> <laughs> Those are it's, practical ter- tubes. It started as a tarp. Now it's more of a infested vestibule. <laughs> People always talk induced. about the upside-down cross, but the tarp is really the star of the show, I think. Mm-hmm. I hadn't even noticed that. It's amazing. <laughs> it really <laughs> it's distracts from the upside-down cross. <laughs> you know what tarp you should, reform. You should... Bah. You should uh, sick one of the, like the Green Mountain Energy people on that guy. Just have him like, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you who lives in this building if if yeah, you're, you're interested thinking. in saving money on your energy, and then they just go back and forth. Play oh, them yeah. against themselves. Yeah, them stuck in a loop <laughs> where Liz Warren lives. Yeah, that <laughs> using street tactics. When I built this tarp, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what a great sense. <laughs> 
I got slimed like 20 times. <laughs> with just like rusty water. Nice. Because <laughs> it yeah. just catches like water. Everybody thinks it's, it's from the rain. It's from the pipes. The pipes leak. So ceiling, like brown water will just fall in like a glass of water that you're drinking. You're going to mm. get slimed. You have a very slime quality to you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's from the, the water. <laughs> I felt like by the time I fixed it, I felt like the end of uh, Shawshank. I was just standing there like, <laughs> I did it. So I'm covered in shit. <laughs> this is how the Brooklyn left lives. Yeah, <laughs> this, yeah. Is, yeah. this is what dirtbag left means. Yeah. It, yes. <laughs> yeah. Rust water left. Mostly just dirtbag, really. Um, rust bag. Um, anyways, welcome to the show. Um, yeah, so uh, we opened, uh, as I will have gone back and put in with this crazy quote of um, uh, Ben Shapiro in uh, his sweet new hot take that it's a it's it's not pro-choice to kill baby Hitler or something. What the fuck did he say? It's not pro-life. It's not pro-life. Pro pro oh, right. Yeah. So who, who is he even trying to take down with this statement? He would only no. be saving Jews, and they don't count. <laughs> I think is the <laughs> idea. I think the the well, yeah. I think his idea is that um, for a pro-choice person, the only solution for your ideological enemies is to vanquish or abort them, and we need pro-life people who would take a potential baby Hitler and give them Turning Points USA <laughs> and turn them into a uh, small-town college entrepreneur. A college Republican yeah. type. <laughs> so he suggests they take them to another family, like their child protection. So he's, he's <laughs> suggesting we kidnap the baby. <laughs> Right. At, at which point, what he he goes and fights in World War Two, <laughs> traumatized. <laughs> yeah. Germany's honor is destroyed, and you know. But but he's he's been raised to be a, a bow tie dipshit. Like yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he knows knots. <laughs> yeah, Nazism never happens. Right. You well, uh, you I, debate the baby until he's stronger, <laughs> and smarter. And well, I love that. It's like if you could go back in time and stop nine eleven. It's like you can't. You can't. Yeah, you go around and like, <laughs> what are you gonna this. do? You just gonna tell people that like, like well, I, yeah, I have a bit about this. Is like if I went back in time and oh, that's right, nine eleven. That's no how that ended up in my believe brain. Me. Yeah, like, and then they you just arrest like, you. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. They'd be, well, they would be like, fuck this kid, and then nine eleven. I'm not gonna do the joke, but then nine eleven would happen, and then I would end up in jail. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's not funny in a way. Because of how fucked up it because is. Because of how, how real it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in a way, I'm in, in Gitmo right now. That's why the left has to con uh, come together against time travel. Not only can <laughs> we not do it, but it's confusing, and it, better, it just shouldn't be done These to begin with. Time travel polemics are derailing us. Butterfly wings and so forth. Right. Yeah, yeah. There's only a way that. we could have foreseen how much of a waste of time the time travel dialectics would <laughs> I mean, it, be. it really depends if you're using the, like, back to the future theory of time travel or the, like, 12 monkeys theory. Because in mm. the 12 monkeys theory, you can't change anything. Everything's just like an it's endless feedback loop. a separate loop. dimension. Mm. Yeah, like, you go back and create the timeline that produced you. And so, yeah. so everything is faded. Whereas in back to the future, you change one little thing and people start, like, disappearing, you know? Yeah. So, right. Anyway. In hmm. Back to the Future, only Biff is faded. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, cool in high school. Shout um, out to Biff. Hmm. All right. I mean, I'm still. My mind is still uh, in noodles over Ben Shapiro's time travel. Well, why would he bring up? It time fills airtime. I think it's the same reason we're talking about <laughs> it right now. Is <laughs> you run out of things to say, and then you're just like, "But if I had a time machine, yeah." 
Well, just, I just yeah. think he's a tryhard, and I think the way you you show that you're trying really hard is you're like, I'm so pro-life, I would save Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's funny how n- not a surprise it is that Ben Shapiro comes out pro-Hitler on the time travel analogy. <laughs> what if he would he have tried to stop him from killing himself? That's that's the real time yeah. travel query. Would you go back and try to prevent Hitler from killing himself? <laughs> <laughs> to change nothing about history. It's, if he ends up surrendering to the Red Army, that could be satisfying in its way. Yeah, that would have been great. It's funny he blames the parents because, in a way, he found a way to blame a woman for Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I like imagining Ben Shapiro getting out of a time machine going, Hitler, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> you taught us so much. <laughs> anyway. He's tweeting at him to debate him. <laughs> Hitler's a coward. <laughs> of course, the ultimate irony is if you could contact Hitler for comment and ask if he would kill Ben Shapiro as a baby, he'd be like, hell yeah. <laughs> kill his entire family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. True, true. Well, um, anyways, uh, think about that all day, you, you fucking weirdos. Uh, what What is actually happening in the news uh, this week? There's Utla. a strike. Yeah. We're calling it Utla. They're right? calling As a it podcast. Utla. Not, no more UTLA. We got to do, you know, if they can spell out NAFTA, we can spell out Utla. Okay. What is the strike about? About how Vice was a bad movie. And oh. That's the official stance of this podcast. Okay. Hello, be, all right. Contested. Right. I'm just kidding. Did you see David? Did yeah, you see yeah. David? I I thought it was not as good as the uh, Big Short, but uh, I liked a lot of parts of it. Jake, have Thank you seen you. it? No, and I'll never see it. Okay, Jake doesn't like the movie. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yep, you're outnumbered. <laughs> Do we want to debate this? I'm going to net on this. I have not seen it, and I don't like it. <laughs> You'll see it eight months later, and we'll do an episode on it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be talking about it for the rest of my life. <laughs> with tinfoil hat on. Um, what are they striking for? I get messages about this from my brother all the time because he's dating someone in the strike, and he knows I have a radio show. Uh, he he knows you have a ra- you have a radio show. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm talking about this. I don't have All a right. separate radio show. <laughs> Did you, you guys respond to? to your brother? <laughs> it's like, yeah, he's messaging me like day and night, and uh, well, I mean, uh, people are trying to boil it down to it is they're asking for higher salaries, but it's much well, more. Yeah, than that. well, here's the thing, and this is why I'm very encouraged by this is because uh, teacher salaries obviously very important, unions extremely important. Um, it, but th- a lot of the way this gets framed is that's kind of the only issue with education. And what they're talking about is things like class sizes. And I think as socialists and radicals, we have to be thinking not only about the economics, the funding of schools, but we have to be thinking about the form, the curriculum, uh, less emphasis on standardized testing. We need to be completely rethinking the way we teach Everybody in this country right. because and the influence it's of char- the growing threat of charter schools on public education. Y- yeah, w- yeah, right. Which goes into the funding piece. And it is true yeah. that like, you know, if you uh, if teachers are at threat of constantly being fired over things they can't really control, then that's very ultimately bad for the students. But uh, on f- one of the ways that opponents of uh, teachers unions have been pretty successful in like 2012 in Chicago is saying like, oh, these teachers just want more money. They're forgetting the kids. And that doesn't really seem to be as prominent a part of the discourse this time. As toxic Bernie bros, we have to center class. And it's the only <laughs> thing that matters. <laughs> right. Uh, this whole time we've been talking about class room, not economic class. Not uh, race room race and room. gender room. <laughs> 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 uh, 
I don't even think they should have gender room. <laughs> it seems like it was a mistake. <laughs> um, it seems from what I could see from the last update on on the article I was reading, they're in negotiations, and it seems like it's going well, and they had support from the mayor. Yeah, well, the mayor's been sort of like ambivalent, right? He's been like, I don't know, our kids gonna be in trouble for truancy? Maybe I don't know. Yeah, um, Get to which class. is like ridiculous. Yeah, uh, but the the big evil bad guy in this is Bootner, this dude who was like a finance guy and then uh, helped privatize post-Soviet Russia uh, after the collapse of the Soviet Union, and then he's running the L.A. school board. He's the superintendent? Yeah. What? Yeah. That's an amazing detail. I what know. a resume. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> that rules. Uh, yeah, from... Uh, I read a few articles on this, and yes, like like I said earlier, uh, you know they want to reduce this to just you know teachers demanding salary. And as Andrew said, that's not really the case. Uh, there was an article by Samuel Rebikoff in L.A. Taco, I, I, <laughs> my favorite publication. And uh, okay, the issue up for negotiation. Sorry for this. I just lost my place. Uh, largely, uh, it's told it's over salary, but it's much. More than that. Um, this give me this a taco is stuffed. This taco <laughs> is very stuffed. Um, as of Monday, the union asking for a salary increase of 6.5 for teachers, a reduction of class sizes, an increase in the hiring of nurses and librarians, psychiatrists for every 500 students, and a moratorium on the building of new charter schools in the district. And like Andrew said, as of now, L.A. school superintendent Austin Butner, the former investment banker turned deputy mayor under Antonio Villa Gosa, yeah, yeah, and son of a school teacher himself, has offered up a six percent salary increase and a slight reduction of class sizes. Uh, so yeah, like you said, it's it's working for now. Yeah, we'll they're see. they're ending the moratorium on. Well, they want to. Okay, so that would mean there would be more. Wait, charter wait, schools? no, they want a moratorium on charter schools. Okay, because yeah. yeah. yeah I, I had it all backwards. <laughs> like you want more? That would be amazing if there was more as a union. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just like the competition. Yeah, you know, you want to have like enemies, or else you have nowhere to go as a teacher. Mm. Well, it's, it's interesting how like this is really an ideological fight. At the end of that, that's like what the charter school movement is about. Uh, I mean, I, and I say this as uh, the product of a charter school, which I think is probably the biggest, uh, oh, anti charter school argument you could make. Um, just point to me, but, uh, your child will emerge a clown, <laughs> yeah. a trained clown. It's <laughs> true. You went to clown school. Yeah. Was it a ch charter clown school? I did learn a little bit of clowning at the charter school. I went to, yeah, that is dabbled. true. I dabbled there. How many people were in that class? In the in the well, and my charter school, the the, well, there's only a hundred tiny kids. classroom, bunch of clowns inside of it. <laughs> <laughs> there are only a hundred kids at the beginning of of my time there. I, I began the first year of the school, my freshman year, and uh, it ended up like I, you know, we 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 arise out of the contradictions, and uh, there were good, were good many good aspects of it. Um, but like the intention behind it is to divert funding from the main public schools to get so they're underfunded. Uh, and you say, hey, look at that this school that's like not functional. Obviously, we need to keep cutting it, right? Or we need to cr keep cr like dicing up the school board. Uh, the, 
like how much authority they have over public education. As you can see on my graph, at the number of children who have been turned into clowns at the public school, the number is still zero. Whereas <laughs> at our school, we have an emerging class of three students who wear noses and get into small cars and hop on each other's shoulders every day. <laughs> Just based on numbers, we're getting results. Right. I, I like the image of a, s- a small clown car, but only like three clowns. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, no one was on board. <laughs> it's like slightly cramped. <laughs> <laughs> Small class size for clowns. <laughs> yeah. Uh but yeah, I mean that what they want to do and this is Butner's job is to impose a managerial uh a corporate model um on a public good education to say that it like it, and there is to an extent which uh charter schools do function as sort of career training um because a lot there are a lot of companies that invest in the charter school movement so they can like have their employees trained for free basically uh but the main thrust of it really is ideological it's not about uh saving money at the end of the day it's about breaking up public control over education hmm. mm-hmm. you always hear people talk ideologically about school and i think no one really really no one can really like place what school is like Marx, like hardcore Marxists are like the students are workers and then like capitalists kind of go, the students are customers and yeah. Foucault is it's a prison or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's always trying to compare it to something. I think it's just a unique experience. You yeah, know? that's a good point. I mean, it's yeah, it's a lot of different things. And, and that is there are actually people on that's a point of contestation on the left is like some people say, yes, students are workers and others say who are Marxists say like, no, we shouldn't. We're not really. I mean, there are people out there doing everything work. isn't workers. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, I, I had always heard the interpretation that it's about schools are about turning uh, uh children into workers right like right. inculcating them with the sensibility of a worker so they can be exploited when they graduate yeah and and learning about competitive politics and like entering things like uh, national honor society or running for class president or people like that and those people who thrive in high school in those areas you know go on to maybe even enter politics but also usually business or sales or whatever right yeah. and and it will and it's right now one of the arguments used by uh, people like Sanders um, are, are it's kind of on productivist lines for uh, having f- tuition free um, public state colleges because they're saying like oh we need to catch up with the rest of the western world we need this workforce that's trained which like I get that you have you know you have to make that argument in the, the sphere of American politics it, it's an effective argument but what I think is going to be really interesting is if we manage to do that and get tuition free undergraduate degrees and we say okay what's the next step are we going to do graduate degrees saying that like admitting like this really might not have any productive contribution to the economy this is just kind of like a thing that people should be able to do damn just study is shit. fun yeah <laughs> well you know I, i've always thought uh, grad school should be free in part i mean all types of grad school but if you look at like med school for instance like i know people who are you know ma- have made their way through med school and the amount of debt that you rack up as an undergrad and then, you know, going through med school and then you're actually, I always you know, thought doctors were well paid. It turns out for years after that, they make shit wages. Yeah. Mm. So, so what happens is by the time, you know, and these are obviously smart, idealistic people doing something society clearly needs, or at least in theory they are. But by the time they've gone through years of this, they feel like they're kind of owed 
in upper middle class existence and yeah. maybe they maybe they are but you know they would get there a lot sooner if they if they didn't have all this debt so uh, you know and you can see how the effects of that then redound to uh to the cost of health care mm-hmm. and uh many other problems so and it it puts you in an interesting uh position politically if you're that much in debt too back when i used to still fight with people online which i've given up for years now and was never very good at i would end up having uh uh medicare for all discussions mostly with pissed off doctors who are just like i am thousands of dollars in debt and i deserve a six-figure salary until i die and i'd be like you just want a boat you can see from space and then they'd block me <laughs> uh, was it a pixelated boat they could see from space by that point I'm fucking whatever hashtag online <laughs> was this dr oz uh, this person I have never heard of or spoken to again, but uh, I bet they've made a lot more money than I have. Did you, did you ever bring this up with an actual doctor who was trying to help you? <sighs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Do- Patek, sit down. I I'm trying Medicaid. to take your blood pressure. <laughs> I have Medicaid. The doctor I have in New York is, without using the word like a hack job, you can see he's just like getting people in and getting people out. And he'll just give you what you want and get you on your way. And it's like a flaw in the system but also if i want adderall i can get it now so cool okay no, I, I appreciate my medicaid uh, uh primary care because i've got this scam where she just keeps giving me my uh, antidepressants again and again and that way i never have to see a psychiatrist yeah that scam and, where you get medicine yeah that scam where i get medicine <laughs> and where every three months or so she's like you really should see a psychiatrist and i'm like i know i know but can i just have another three months <laughs> and it has it has not failed yet so it's saving yeah me that's what most psychiatrists kind of just do you know, yeah. Was oh. it uh, is that j- joke on the new David Tell thing where he's like, "Oh, well, I would be a pharmacist because you're a doctor, but you're also a cashier. Like you <laughs> just dispense drugs." I so many people I know get. I don't know anyone who goes and has a long conversation with their psychiatrist like every month about you know the drug dealer. Yeah. After a while, you just yeah. that shit. It's the most useless job I'm aware of. Psychiatrist. Very <laughs> transactional. Yeah. Total yeah. gay. The most middle management thing. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Psychiatry yeah. listeners, um, sorry. <laughs> they've, uh, they've never told me anything about my mental health I couldn't learn on Wikipedia. You're know. a class <laughs> enemy, Ben. Uh, to interject, are we are we getting David's mic okay? Uh, yeah, yeah. Everyone's good. Okay, my good. He's got the cans. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. So we got the cans um, on. Uh, we should move along. Uh, what's the next story we were going to cover? Yeah. The Who's next story is, uh, well, there's the Oliver Darcy story. Well, c- connected to the Oliver Darcy story is BuzzFeed uh, ran a report last night. Uh, it was two reporters, Jason Leopold and Anthony Cormier, two reporters for BuzzFeed News, uh, who scored a, I guess, Russiagate scoop uh. about uh, essentially that um, Trump uh, directed Michael Cohen uh, to lie to Congress about the Moscow uh, Trump Tower project. We got him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's done. This He's, is the time. <laughs> yeah. the wall, To quote Neera Tandon for uh, two years, the walls <laughs> are closing in. <laughs> <laughs> That's just, she's just uh, uh, tweeting out loud her thoughts as uh, she drinks further into the day. <laughs> 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 but uh, the... Where the story takes an interesting turn, I'm like that. You know, Trump obviously won't go to jail. Uh, maybe he will get impeached. Do we, what, what do we think? Do we think we'll they'll impeach him? No. I mean, no. You have to get it through the Senate. I know. But the, do you think they'll try? 
I think the Democrats will try. We'll try, house. yeah, but because I mean, I I honestly think they should because you might as well get like all the you know like for instance Susan Collins' seat is up in two years, right? And yeah. she should be a target, especially after the Kavanaugh thing. And so yeah, you get people like that to or you know Ben Sass to uh, to vote not to impeach Trump when you know it comes out that he's suborn perjury. I mean, I think I think that would be decent politics, but. But yeah, I doubt I doubt you could actually get Trump removed from office. They should at least put it on the board, though. Yeah, because it's been years. Well, yeah. even if he gets removed, he will be pardoned, or something will. You know, he's not going to go to jail. That's as crazy as these Hillary locker up bullshit. Yeah, but there yeah. there is one cool thing you can do though, and the wonderful thing is that the the Senate has no say over this at all. And I started to feel more optimistic about everything when I realized this, which is you can take the Trump organization apart. And you can do that with the, just the New York uh, uh, AG and everything. Uh, you know, corporations right. are people, as we know, and the Trump yeah. Organization, which is basically a giant money laundering scheme for oligarchs, including Russian oligarchs around the world, uh, you can you can take that down while he's in office and basically destroy his fortune and humiliate him. And so, yeah, no one goes to jail. I'm, Manafort or somebody, but uh, but it would still be pretty satisfying. Can you humiliate him? <laughs> Is that a thing you not on his hamburger mountain? <laughs> I think I think he'd be sad if you took away his business. Dude, the fuck he'd have some mean tweets about it. I, like, he, I don't think he is capable of admitting though that like when he's losing, like he yeah. turns <laughs> he everything just... into like this is what I this is what I wanted. I You're wanted right. to get impeached. Yeah. <laughs> the, the fucking funniest thing about I don't, I don't want to talk about the hamburger shit too much because it's been done to death. But the the fact that the sauce packets weren't in the gravy boats <laughs> owns so much <laughs> that they just put up that it, no i i don't even think it's a fat i think it's so cool <laughs> that they just were like yeah whatever just fucking throw that out there <laughs> they got the rick and morty sure, sauce we got even. these boats but what are we gonna do with them? <laughs> <laughs> what's fun, what's sad about that too is like or just kind of amazing is like he could have i mean he's a cheapskate so we got all the burgers but he owns a hotel like a few blocks away <laughs> he could have just written off some like money for steaks from that but even <laughs> he could have taken taxpayer money and redirected it to his hotel and made himself richer but right instead he went to mcdonald's it's amazing that's the beauty of this story is that he didn't really do the mcdonald's thing because of the government shutdown he did it because he wanted to which rules yeah it's he loves Burgers and shit. Yeah, <laughs> it's a blow against uh, <laughs> slightly more upscale fast food restaurants everywhere. <laughs> as a move of ideology. <laughs> so, uh, circling back to this uh, this BuzzFeed scoop, um, you know, which you know is probably the more uh, consequential stories to break out of this Russia shit, which is mostly you know if you watch CNN, just a lot of hot air. Um, CNN business. Uh, Oliver Darcy, um, who I'm not too familiar with, uh, published an article today uh, about the story and said, if the story is, is accurate, it means Trump asked Cohen to commit perjury, a federal crime and potentially impeachable uh, offense. The story has not yet been corroborated by CNN or any other news outlet because they suck. And But there are six distinct areas where reporting from the bombshell lines up with court records, blah, 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 blah. But then you go like three graphs into the story and it turns into a story about Le what the journalist Leopold. Leopold, a former Los Angeles Times, Dow Jones and Vice reporter. Uh, who's been at BuzzFeed since 2017, was uh, involved in several major scandals that called into the 
into question the veracity of his reporting during the Bush presidency. So basically, um, uh, Leopold had some allegations of plagiarism. Uh, eventually, he wrote a book uh, where he had talked about, you know, he he was mentally ill. He, he was unstable. He had a lot of substance abuse issues. You know, he kind of came out clean about this he's yeah. like hey I, I really fucked up on all of this stuff and i'm addressing it out in the open but that's fucked and up because you see he plagiarized the book from the slim shady lp <laughs> 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 just all the lyrics put together and um and this ent- you think cnn given their track record which which would just focus on this story just turn this into a hit piece about leopold yeah so a few things about this i mean there, I, I have sort of two theories which are not mutually exclusive for why CNN would run this garbage article, which basically takes, you know, one of the biggest scoops uh, of in recent months and from their rival and, uh, and, and turns it into a hit job on the reporter. Um, one theory is that they're jealous because they didn't get the story and they're just being, you know, uh, mean about that. The other theory, not uh, inconsistent, is that a right-wing oppo shop actually came to them uh, and said, hey, you know, um, to protect our guy, Trump, I mean, they wouldn't have said this, but that's what they're thinking, to protect <laughs> our, our guy, Trump, guy. Yeah, our <laughs> special guy, da- daddy, from, uh, <laughs> from um, you know, th- this article that in a sane world would result in his impeachment, um, you know, uh, w- what if you guys undermine the credibility of the reporter? And the crazy thing is there's, there's nothing new here, right? Leopold wrote a book about it, the, the stories that... Uh, they, they they run a headline and, and tweets saying he has a checkered past. That checkered past is all in the public record. It yeah. all happened like 15 years ago. Uh, yeah. It's just, and meanwhile, Leopold for the last uh, two years, and here I'll out myself as I have many times before as the one person on the left who takes Russiagate seriously. <laughs> Not to say I like Rachel Maddow's insane coverage of it or Joy Reid or anything, but, but the basic premise I've written a lot about and tweeted a lot about that it's a giant corruption scandal. That, that it's, a money, money it's a money laundering scandal. It's a money laundering scandal. Yeah, that's exactly with, what it is. Yeah. With, yeah, with global implications. And, and I, I've always, uh, and you know, I've gone on 80 podcasts to talk about that. But like, but for these purposes, I'll say Leopold and BuzzFeed generally have done some of the best, most fact-based coverage of it. And Leopold has had many scoops that have been borne out. And, you know, in between, uh, and Darcy does eventually get to this, but in between his failures 15 years ago and Russiagate, you know, he had a, uh, uh, he kind of rebuilt his reputation as, what do they call him, the FOIA? Um, the FOIA terrorist. FOIA terrorist, yeah. yes. Um, and people I know who work on Freedom of Information Act stuff, uh, you know, which is basically getting the government to cough up its, its secrets. Thanks um, to Nader. Thank, uh, yeah, Shout that's out. true. Friend of the show. Secrets. Um, uh, you know, say Leopold is a hero, and ba- basically everyone who's serious about this stuff thinks that he's great. So, you know, for CNN to to attack this guy, you know, they could have attacked him when he was hired by BuzzFeed, but it's like, no, they bring this out the day, you know, the, the morning after this scoop. And in the, like, I don't know, 12 hours between the scoop and they're doing that, many leading Democrats were pouncing on the story. Like, mm-hmm. the, clearly there was this was the moment when the Democrats were going to actually try to move the ball forward on impeachment. So this whole thing seems very sketchy to me and very embarrassing for CNN. It's such a, like, embittered, like, dizzying article, too, because they'll be like, yeah, in 2015, the Times uh, did a profile of Leopold. 
and uh, then he joined Vice News, and he received a Pulitzer Prize in international reporting for a story uh, the committee described as a stunning probe across two continents that proved that operatives with apparent ties to Putin have engaged in a targeted killing campaign against his perceived, perceived enemies on British and American soil. And then uh, they go on to just talk again about his drug use. Yeah. Uh, well, and somebody actually pointed this out to me online that the way you know this is this is hack work and either directly helping the right or just kind of uh, you know volunteering themselves to help the right is that uh, Leopold has done stories about you know Hillary's emails that that checked out you know he's mm-hmm. embarrassed her mm-hmm. and uh, and and you don't see CNN being like journalist who who embarrassed Hillary Clinton has a checkered past no it's only when he has this bombshell about Trump that suddenly we have to talk about his drug use 15 years ago. Yeah. Wow. Um, And I think uh, another telling uh, portion of this article is at the very end that I'll read uh, a statement released after this story was published. um, Giuliani. Wait, Giuliani. Where's Giuliani coming? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Jersey. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Giuliani. Uh, Giuliani said any suggestion from any source that the president counseled Cohen to lie is categorically false. Michael Cohen is convicted criminal and a liar to quote the prosecutors. He has traded on a quote, a pattern of lies and dishonesty over an extended period of time. And for that, he's going to pay a very, very serious price quote today's claims are just more made up lies born of Cohen's malice and desperation in an effort to reduce his sentence. Uh, Cormier, Cormier earlier de- denied to NPR that Cohen was a source for the story. Uh, so, so meanwhile, what's Michael Cohen been up to in the yeah. last several hours? Getting beat up, apparently. Yeah. The Daily Mail, which it should be said is a disreputable uh, British tabloid. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they do sometimes have the goods published uh, very vivid photos in the last several hours of Michael Cohen. I forget what two things he's walking between, but... Uh, Rock in a hard place? Yeah, something Ooh, like that. Boom. But he, yeah, wonderful. But no, he seems to have a, a black eye, and he's like clutching a pillow in front of him where a wound would be, and he has a medical bracelet, and he's kind of like limping from this building into a car, I think, uh, where his wife is. And um, this... Uh, again, happens right after the scoop and right after Giuliani says he's going to pay a price. So, I mean, it would be irresponsible to speculate, but that's mob violence, right? <laughs> like Trump had the Hamburglar go get him. Yeah. I mean, it's possible that he, like, put on some makeup and, like, wants, you know, maybe this is, like... He's going goth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's joining the damned. Uh, no, oh, but yeah. maybe he, you know, maybe he, like, that's a... a he's using that as... that. that there's a theater... You're saying his that. record of dishonesty goes so far as creating a false flag <laughs> beat-up. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past him. And not telling anyone about it. There's no story about well, it. Well, that is a story because the pictures got taken. He's being That's true. So He's in the Daily that, Mail. It would right. be funny that, if, like, if got... people who actually want to beat him up see that, then they're probably going to make mind hold off on it. I don't know. Anders, you should go <laughs> up to him and hit him in the leg and, and see, see, if he, yeah. Yeah, see if he falls <laughs> down. <laughs> it would be funny if he just got beat up for something else. <laughs> <laughs> like he just got into a bar fight about like a Sublime song or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he could. He also could have gotten beat up by a MAGA guy. You know. <laughs> yeah, true. for sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, who, who among us wouldn't beat up Michael Cohen? If yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The only the thing I... I'm worried about, though, with the like the like, I don't think the impeachment would actually go through. But if it does, like President Mike Pence is pretty. I mean, 
you could maybe make the argument that that puts the Democrats in a better position in 2020 because the Republicans might be divided. But like there's a lot of people who are going to be, you know, he, he, he's even more punitive than Trump on especially like gay rights and things like that. And yeah. also the silver lining on the Trump cloud. Let's be honest, like it's, it's I think it's kind of a positive thing the way he's attacked norms. You know, like the, this discourse, the the high and high minded sort of um, respectability politics has kind of gone out the window now. And Even if you like him better than than Mike Pence, though, it's a win for the Democrats to yeah. get an impeachment through. There's no question about the strategy of if it's a win or not. It's just whether you can do it with everyone in Congress just not helping you. Well, yeah, Trump I'm also, ambivalent. Uh, being a disruptive force and all that stuff like you're talking about, that doesn't go away if he gets impeached like he. He mm-hmm. did that shit, and now it's impossible to really put back together. Like, I can't imagine. Exactly. People answers. are still going to be openly racist and sexist. And, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and frankly, I mean, people hardly ever say this out loud, but it's been good for the, the left, too. I mean, it's because what it's done is it's kind of what you were alluding to, I think, yeah. with the norms, is it's uh, it kind of shattered the Overton window, and uh, it, it humiliated all the kind of normie libs, and it's it's been, I mean, the the whole implicit premise of Bernie would have won, I think, is like it's our turn now. Since he made yeah. brunch illegal, everyone <laughs> everyone has been at it. Well, yeah, there was this Washington Post article during a few days in the shutdown, I think, and they were talking about the state of emergency and the history of dictators using state of emergencies to implement, you know, genocide or whatever. And it's like. Okay, yeah, I, like I'm worried about Trump, but it's, I, I think the obvious thing people are overlooking constantly is like he is epically lazy and incurious. Like yeah. there are people surrounding him who are insane and dangerous, but he does not give a fuck enough to do anything. Well, he's really yeah. ineffective, which is why he's better than Pence. Yeah, yeah. Well, be- right. I, I don't know if better is the word I would use, but yeah, it's different than, Pre- than yeah. Pence. He's yeah, funkier yeah. than Pence. <laughs> <laughs> but, Pence. but Pence is still, you know, the one who staffed up this administration. Or if you look at, like, you know, who, who he's put in the courts and stuff, which is the real lasting damage Trump is doing, that's all the people Pence. I mean, I feel like we're kind of getting the worst of both worlds right now because you're getting substantively the Mike Pence, Paul Ryan, et cetera, presidency, but then, you know, this this complete dipshit is the face of it. If you look at the movie that formed the zeitgeist right now, which is Vice, zeitgeist. the VP can <laughs> no, really... No, it's the movie yeah. Zeitgeist. <laughs> zeitgeist and then it's a spiritual successor, Vice. Vice. The, the, the Vice President can really shape a, an administration as we've all seen. Yeah. It's true. I had a terrible conversation with my mother-in-law where uh, she called George Bush a good guy and then I got kind of mad and uh, talked about all the people who died and then she said, oh, it's Dick Cheney's fault. Well, as we all know, the movie Vice proved that uh, Dick Cheney did 9-11. Yeah. Like that. that lady at that bar yelled at me for Because he's a bad hour. guy. <laughs> it's the politics of individual Wait. morality are just useless. Wait, this is worth getting into. So you were at a bar late at night at our friend's birthday party, yeah. and Vice came up, and... <laughs> Someone, my friend said, our friend David Twighty said, it's a bad movie. And this this person said, no, it's not because it proved Dick Cheney did 9-11. Yeah. I it know. was like the end of the party and there was kind of like the circle just formed. It got down to three people, you know, and we were like weren't talking to each other before. And then we were just like, 
what is this insane conversation I'm stuck in? <laughs> did we not talk about this on the last episode? Uh, I did. I did. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but, but uh, just to reiterate, a person told me that the movie Vice <laughs> proved that Dick Cheney did There's fumes in these apartments. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> the tarp is leaking. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have a, a somewhat similar story. It's not about Vice, but I... I it was, is about 9-11. It is it's very <laughs> much about 9-11, okay. which is that I was, um, like a year or two ago, I was actually sitting in a hipster coffee shop that's <laughs> true uh, as our, uh we were all talking about how great we thought uh, trump is <laughs> i was sitting in a hipster coffee shop in brooklyn and um and and there's somebody in the coffee shop who's getting their coffee to go and they're talking to the barista who's a who's a nice normal guy and he's you know they're talking about politics and he's like man the barista's like you know trump he's he's pretty bad isn't he and and they're going back and forth like yeah it's terrible you know he's 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 embarrassing our country whatever and then the guy is like but you know the uh I'm not a big fan of Trump, but, you know, on the other hand, Bush did 9-11. And, <laughs> and, and he clearly meant it. And the barista's like, yeah, yeah, that's true. And the guy walks out, and the barista and I just kind of stare at each other for a second. Right. <laughs> anyway, that's the story. I mean, from but. the uh, – you uh, people have made this argument. One who is the president uh, made the argument that – not that he did 9-11, but it did happen on his watch. Yeah. And he is – Respond. Yeah, he's he, he responsible. He didn't keep us safe. He didn't keep us yeah. safe. Yeah. yeah, they were negligent. Yeah, he didn't have a wall. Well, um, right. uh, jumping off of that, segueing into <laughs> jumping uh, off that plane. Yeah, jumping <laughs> off <laughs> that plane <laughs> onto another Trump Tower, a Trump Tower. But no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, one thing. We would like to talk about uh, is uh, I don't think we've talked about this on the podcast. There's no reason to because it's been exhausted to death. Is a couple weeks ago, uh, Rashida Tlaib um, from Michigan uh, was in a bar and said, "Hey, everybody!" Bush did 9/11. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she said, "You got to see this movie, Vice. <laughs> <laughs> Proves it's great." <laughs> And uh, she was like, hey, let's impeach this motherfucker. And, you know, everyone cheered and whatever. That's, you know, an empty, grandiose diatribe, mm. whatever. Who she said a curse. Who cares, right? And there's just been wealth of coverage, and it's the boring you know, civility debate that happens every uh, two days or whatever. But, um, David, I don't remember the context of this tweet, but um, you have kind of had something of a back and forth with Jake Tapper on Twitter. Um, here and there, or you have a personal history with him in some way? Well, the the back and forth and personal history elements are, are kind of implicit here. I, I don't think I've ever actually had a conversation with Tapper, but he's definitely aware. Um, yeah, yeah. Now, what happened here was uh, going back a few months ago before the midterms, I think around September last year, uh, I got a tip from someone who I will just say was in a position to know that Jake Tapper was going around to... Uh, some group of CNN reporters and was telling them, you know, you guys should, uh, you should really look into uh, these, these women, Rashida Tlaib and uh, Ilan Omar, uh, who are running for Congress right now, because I, I don't think they get very close scrutiny, you know, because they're Muslim women. And mm -hmm. I, I just don't think, like, the media is taking them seriously enough. And so this was passed on to me by a source who specifically said, as long as uh, they're not attached to it, I could share this on Twitter, uh, where, you know, I have a platform. So I did uh, in September, and it got some attention. 
Uh, and later I heard from my source that uh, Jake Tapper did see it and he was not happy about it. <laughs> he <And> frowned. <laughs> he frowned. And he, and well, he, it's hard to distinguish a frown from his normal default face. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he went around, uh, you know, the, the CNN Time Warner Center or whatever, uh, uh, you know, demanding to know who leaked and uh, nothing really came of it. But then when this happened, uh, so we're, you know, a, a few days into the new Congress, uh, Tlaib and Omar both won. They're now members of Congress. And immediately, uh, Tapper starts going after them, uh, not just for this impeach the motherfucker thing, but he's been on them for their connections, uh, which I actually, you, maybe you know more about than me, but their connections to Louis Farrakhan, I guess. Uh, he also goes no. after Linda Sarsour a lot, who... Mm. Uh, for, for Farrakhan-related reasons. And if you parse Tapper's timeline, uh, you know, you'll, you can see that it's, you know, Tapper poses as a neutral objective journalist, and he gets away with that, and yeah. that's his <laughs> job. But it's very clear that he has a pro-Israel, uh, pro-troops, and anti-Muslim world bias. And a pro-militarism bias, oh, yeah. too, yeah. yeah. From um, this description, it sounds like he's a Farrakhan specialist journalist who happens to work at CNN. And, 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 and by the way, if it's fair game to say that, uh, you know, the, these women have, you know, more than zero contact with uh, Louis Farrakhan, who for the record, is a vicious anti-Semite, and I do not endorse him. Uh, but then I think it's also fair game to point out that um, among the people Jake Tapper associates with is infamous New York Times editor and writer Barry Weiss, uh, who, of course, has been hounding Muslim academics since college uh, and also yeah. publishes a lot of stuff about Farrakhan, and it's just clear from Twitter that they're very tight. She's so, considered the so Farrakhan of Australia. So yeah. two things <laughs> is this, the same week uh, you tweeted this is uh, Mitt Romney uh, re or Jake Tapper retweeted a Mitt Romney thing uh, with Romney condemning Rashida for her remarks. Uh, so that that was weird, uh, especially someone who poses as an objective journalist. And then, <laughs> did you guys see that Bernie thing with Liz Cheney? Oh, oh that was yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah, that, that fucking was so awesome. ruled. Um, so if you're not familiar, um, Bernie Sanders a few weeks ago goes, uh, "Rep Liz Cheney, daughter of Dick Cheney, yesterday attacked the fraud of socialism." Really, I wasn't aware that it was socialism that lied about weapons of mass destruction in Iraq and got us into a horrific war that we should have never started. <laughs> go, which go off, fucking kid. owns. Uh, yeah. and then really, I wasn't aware that your dad did die to love. I've seen Vice. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Liz Cheney responded with some bullshit and is like, son of Eli Sanders, socialism fraud, blah, blah, blah. And Jake Tapper retweeted yeah. this garbage. And by the way, it's important to point out here, and I did on Twitter at the time, that Eli Sanders, the father of Bernie Sanders, uh, you know, was a, a, a Polish Jew who left his village when he was like 19 years old, came to Brooklyn, was a paint salesman, like legit working class, raised two kids here. And meanwhile, his brother and his entire family a few years later were wiped out in the Holocaust. Yeah. So that's who Eli Sanders is. And when you say son of Eli Sanders and you're Liz Cheney, I mean, I don't think you it's that You got away. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think it's that much of a stretch to say she was dog whistling to a certain constituency. You know, meanwhile, of course, her father has the blood of hundreds of thousands of people on his hands. Jesus so it's, fuck. It's a very, very weird thing for Jake Tapper, uh, you know, to, to come down on Cheney's side of that little fight. These yeah. are like very condemning uh, endorsements if they are. Our endorsements.
statements, and I haven't read his page, but is it possible that he is just a messy bitch who loves drama <laughs> and is just getting <laughs> some shit started? Well, you you asked about my history with Tapper, and no, he has never responded to me. We've never met. We've never interacted in any way. But what did happen shortly after I aired this the second time, and it went much more viral, uh, and then I posted a little thing about what I thought the ethics of doing this were, which also went viral. And after that, I noticed that I had been following Jake Tapper, but suddenly I no longer was. So if you know anything about Twitter, that, I, that w when you block someone and unblock them, then they're no longer following you. And the question is, did Tapper, that's called a soft block. Did he deliberately mm -hmm. soft block me uh, to kind of tell me to piss off? Or did he block me and then think, oh, shit, like this guy's going to tell everyone I blocked him. Better unblock him without realizing <laughs> I'd be able to tell anyone. Soft cock blocked you. Yeah. Uh, but, but the point is, called, yeah, the, point is <laughs> the point is, Jake Tapper is definitely not mad. This is all very funny to him. Uh, uh, yeah, and, well, and, and not a single person at CNN has contradicted the rumor because it's clearly true. It's hard to tell if he really – how deeply cynical he is or if he actually buys into this – the sort of uh, neoconservative uh, patriotic mythology or if he just like realizes that that's, this is the way to get ahead and he's an, like, an extremely ambitious journalist uh, and he just like sort of learned how to, to – do the double speak thing and sound like you're a uh, this uh, this moderate uh, view that people fetishize in in corporate media, um, and like it constantly does these false equivalencies. Like uh, they were talking about citations needed. He he compared the White Hat the Obama White House inviting Macklemore um, to. <laughs> They compared that to birtherism because in like mm -hmm. 2009, before Macklemore, like anybody knew who he was, he tweeted about Bush doing 9/11, <laughs> and like he said, yeah. that's somehow the equivalent thing he's yeah. ever done. So he's when dragging. He, was little, he thought he was gay. <laughs> he, he was he was on a bunch of drugs when he did that, right? Yeah, Didn't that emerged later. Yeah, something like that. But yeah. um, but it makes me wonder, like, does Jake Tapper does he actually think that that's journalism does he think that's an important thing because it pushes it's very ratings. hard to tell that's that's what he thinks is uh, uh yeah but uh, well okay so you mentioned this one thing in the other tweet you posted you said no reputable news organization would publish a story like this based on a single anonymous source and i'm not i mean i understand that i'm not even sure that's true i, I think a lot of journalists have done that you know like the hill and, True. Uh, well, I said reputable. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah, the Hill, Politico, whatever that Jake Tapper yeah. would consider reputable, have published things on Ocasio and Justice Dems. Well, uh, I, based I think on anonymous sources. From what I know of how how these things work, like uh, there are ways to engineer stories like this, and you could see this happening a lot with the selling of the Iraq War, for instance, where you know you get a few officials to give a quote you know anonymously to a journalist and then mm -hmm. once they've heard this from like three officials anonymously they can go ahead and pop right. or you can see it with all the you know uh, a source close to jared and ivanka coverage of the trump white house i mean there's plenty of ways to kind of you know game the sourcing system but um what i did would not pass muster uh and in fact the only really legit criticism i think i would take of what i did uh is that um I maybe should have passed this tip to uh, an actual media reporter. I know quite a few, and uh, they could have tried to report out the story. But I will say, 
uh, I've done things like that before, and it doesn't always work. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it it often doesn't work because you know how many people at CNN are are willing to to say on the record that yeah Jake Tapper did this. Uh, so you know what I did instead is I I said this person worked at CNN at the time they told me this, uh, and I am putting my own credibility on the line here. I mean mm -hmm. I'm I and well also I'm telling the truth. I I am telling the truth when I say a person at CNN told me this. That and is they have true. no motive for telling you that really. No, yeah. I mean I mean they they I I obviously can't speak to their specific situation, but. Uh, I, I have no reason to doubt this is true. It is very and and yeah, that's not satisfactory for publishing an article in Politico or BuzzFeed or whatever. But um, but uh, you know, I figured hell, I'll air it out, and uh, I'm not telling a lie by saying it exactly as I am, and and let's see what happens. And I think the entire world believes me. I think very very few people doubt that this is a true thing that Jake Tapper said. Have yeah. you had any blowback politically since this happened? How do you mean? Like, I mean, uh, not politically, professionally? Well, <laughs> professional is always a weird word for me um, because I'm a freelancer who hasn't had a real job in three years. But uh, in terms of mm. me being able to get, I mean, I would assume CNN doesn't want to work with me in the near future. <laughs> yeah. I, I, would, I would assume the Atlantic doesn't want to work with me. We will not I, accept your profile, Jake Tapper. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would assume the Atlantic is not going to work with me anytime soon after I wrote a, a like 5,000 word piece about how much I hate their editor in chief, Jeffrey Goldberg, uh, who I think is probably also on this Sarsour, et cetera, Farrakhan kick. Um, yeah. I, the New York Times for how much I've criticized their op-ed page. I'm glad I got one op-ed in there before I really started doing that. I did the same thing. You did? Yeah, I, I wrote uh, in the, the Re Sunday Review shortly before publicly hating them a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, you know, I, I, I pick my battles, but I will say uh, new sources, that uh, new sites that I consider reputable, uh, including The Nation, BuzzFeed, many others, mm -hmm. are still happy to work with me. And, in fact, I'm in the middle of uh, – I mean, I, I shouldn't jinx myself by saying it here, but I'm in the middle of a reporting project uh, for one of those publications. We'll knock on TARP. Knock on TARP. Oh. Where, where, where Please do not knock on the TARP. It's not safe. <laughs> where, where a lot of you know, important people are, are willing to go on the record with me, which is nice, and I appreciate. So, yeah, I mean, there's no question I make enemies and burn bridges, but, um, but no, I'm, I'm still able to find work. Yeah, it's worth it to watch those bridges burn. <laughs> and the closing also on uh, Jake Tapper today. Uh, I, I, as far as I know, he has not tweeted about Rashida or Omar uh, in a number of weeks. Uh, what he did, he did tweet about Tamika Mallory going on PBS. Tamika Mallory, uh, co-president of the Women's March, uh, who went on The View and was cornered into denouncing Louis Farrakhan and all of his beliefs. And I, I don't know, people can disagree with me on this. Is uh, The way I see this Tamika Mallory thing is like, uh, this is a woman who has been in community activism since she was 15. Her parents uh, worked for Al Sharpton and worked for his national activist organization. She was a staff member on that organization at the age of 16 has been in politics since then, worked for de Blasio, probably has some loose connections to Nation of Islam. Like if you're a you know, black activist working in D.C. and New York in these areas, yeah. I'm, I'm sure 
she has encountered Louis Farrakhan as as there's a picture of Obama with Louis Farrakhan. Right. There's a picture of DeRay with Louis Farrakhan. These it's all out there. Yeah, like, the, it doesn't mean he gets that, around. It doesn't mean that they're uh, you know, fanboys of Louis Farrakhan. But the idea of going on the view and having to answer for all of this to fucking Megan McCain of all people. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 then, and then a bunch of people from the Women's March denouncing her for not doing it, I think is utter bullshit. Like, well, yes, and, and you actually, shouldn't. Before, I, before we get into Megan McCain, which uh, is always fun, I, yeah, I do yeah. want to make a brief... <laughs> I do want to make a brief... Uh, oh, um, <laughs> uh, earnest plug for uh, an article by Adam Serwer at The Atlantic, actually, um, who is uh, being half black, half Jewish, and all mensch is actually a good person to write about this whole Farrakhan thing. And he wrote a really good piece months back um, uh, that basically laid out in like a nuanced way why there is this Farrakhan issue that a lot of black activists confront, hmm. why like it's pretty you know, if you're operating in these worlds, you're going to have contact with the Nation of Islam. You could yeah. get cut out of important activist networks if you criticized him. And, like, none of that excuses not only Farrakhan's anti-Semitism, but his misogyny, his homophobia, the rumors that he might have been involved in the assassination of Malcolm X and many other things. Uh, he's he's a bad dude. But I, uh, you know, I'm many of us are in a position to say that. I think that there are there are activists in certain communities who aren't. So anyway, I would encourage people to read up on that and like keep an open mind about, you know, we we all have some associations we're not proud of. And uh, for instance, yeah. for instance shouldn't, Megan McCain. You shouldn't have to answer to Megan McCain. Right, exactly. <laughs> That's the other thing. It's just like being that per being Tamika Mallory and having to answer to this person would infuriate me. And the other thing is like uh, one thing people, the historical context is completely removed. I'm not sure if Adam mentioned it in the piece, but uh, you know, uh, the rise of Farrakhan in the nation of Islam. If you are a black activist and you've seen all of your ma prominent leaders killed for doing all the right things, uh, ML Kelly, Ma Malcolm X, uh, Fred Hampton, uh, everyone who fucking mattered, uh, it would make sense to, uh, you know, uh, gravitate toward any organization that has any momentum, um, especially right. in the early 80s or late 70s, whenever. Yeah. I mean, these people who spend half their time like talking about the value of pragmatism and not having purity tests for association and like, you know, saying like, oh, I, I don't agree with everything Clinton said or did Bill Clinton uh, like why are you extending who yeah said Henry Kissinger was her friend right yes. right yeah why are you extending why you're not also she's married to Bill Clinton <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. There's, yeah. there's that yeah. Yeah. yeah he can't be your friend he's an evil or <laughs> right you got to extend the same courtesy there but I, I mean I think this quote is uh, important and kudos to you for like sharing it because this is a, a relevant thing and it betrays um Tapper's perspective, which is like this, this bizarre, like of all the like uh, issues that the media isn't willing to touch. Is it really that they're too soft on Muslim women? Is that like <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Right. How how deluded? I and mean, never mind that it's kind of bigoted and so on. How deluded would you have to be yeah. to think that the media is soft on Muslims, Muslim women? Right. Women and any any of these sub Democrats. Yeah. And this is and this could, you know, get him to ease off on using his platform to to do that. And also when he does, 
Um, he's not going to be able to hopefully hide behind this sort of veneer of like, oh, I'm just a straight shooter, uh, just trying to get all the facts from both sides. Um, because, you know, he's gotten a lot of applaud f from uh, the left because he's, you know, will have people from the Trump administration on and just ask them very simple questions and watch them shit themselves. And so that, like, <laughs> makes him this uh, resistance hero. But he's, yeah, he's toting the, the imperialist line, and he has been his whole career. And I, maybe it is uh, an actual belief of his, well, but he, I he just... Was, he was very sad when the Weekly Standard folded, which tells you a lot. Uh, okay, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. hard yeah. to watch Surprived good Bill Crystal. Oh. Yeah. But, and also, he seems to be tight with Meghan McCain. I mean, that's another thing I get from just watching him online. Uh, and Meghan McCain is garbage herself for reasons that have been discussed at length, but the one I really want to hone in on is that her husband is the publisher of The Federalist, uh, Ben Dominich, also a known plagiarist. Also, there are all kinds of rumors about him, but, um, but he, uh, you know, I, I mean, The Federalist I've, I've categorized as a white nationalist newsletter, which is not much of an exaggeration. And the idea that when you're publishing articles, like I think they did a week or two ago, it was um, I, I'm the white adoptive parent of a black child and black people are the real racists, you know? That's like a typical Federalist <laughs> article. Yeah. And so, like, I, I, the idea that Meghan McCain gets to lecture anyone about their bigoted associations under these circumstances truly disgusts me. And, of course, Tapper would never call her out on that. Right. No, they're friends. It's so weird they're friends. Almost like these really high-paid media figures all seem to have something in common that goes between their politics. Yeah. Patriotism. I wonder what it is. Yeah. Could be anything. I Don't look I at the tax. It's repo. class rings. <laughs> <laughs> so I swear to God, I remember reading this. If anyone's listening and can find this article, I tried to find it earlier today, but there, I remember reading uh, someone talking about being in the White House press corps and Jake Tapper, this was in like early 2000s, 90s, I think. Uh, he was pretty, and he's always been kind of an egomaniac from, from what we hear. Uh, but he wrote his name on a napkin and gave it to the person who wrote this article and said, shave that. It's going to be worth a lot of money one day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sucks. Yeah. Because we won't have napkins one day. That's why. <laughs> 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 just like wiping ketchup off her face. Like, what? <laughs> um, one last thing about Tapper is uh, he has such a boner for the troops. And this is a headline from um, Breitbart today is CNN's Jake Tapper. Trump is using the U.S. military to get revenge on Pelosi. <laughs> <laughs> Because that should be the focal point of that story. <laughs> it's it's really interesting. People who like Jake Tapper who vilify the troops, but maybe I I'm I don't know. But it's I don't think he's ever been a combat reporter, has he? Uh, that I actually I think I ate shit for suggesting something to that effect. Okay. and someone said he he was an embed. So all right, we'll, all right. We'll, we'll, we'll give him we'll give him his due. And while you know, in, well, in even if he was, did he whatever. see? Was he on Brian Williams' helicopter? <laughs> well, and, and <laughs> I, I mean, I, I I have to say I didn't look up the details but I, I will also say in terms of giving jake tapper very limited due uh back when he was a city paper reporter in the late 90s in washington dc uh you know just starting out he uh he went on a date with monica Lewinsky. yeah uh right which was after the affair but before she became a public figure uh, and then when she became a public figure he wrote an account of the date which sounds skeezy and there's one or two regrettable lines like when he says she's kind of zoftig but uh which sorry if anyone doesn't know is uh, is yiddish for 
curvy, let's say. Um, oh he said that? He did. That's in the city Ooh. paper. I'm sweating. And that's, that's a little, that's a little awkward. But, but putting that aside, um, yeah, voluptuous, you know. But putting that aside, um, it was actually one of the only nice things that anybody wrote about Monica Lewinsky. At the <laughs> yeah. And, oh, and, yeah. And so it holds up pretty well. You read it and it's, uh, you know, and they just went on one date. But he, he portrays her as like a nice, smart person who doesn't deserve what's happening. Uh, right. I thought you were saying uh. that she was curvy was the only nice thing people <laughs> oh, wrote no. about her. Just no, like, leave her alone that was that was the regrettable line <laughs> and it, w- She's and it an was an hourglass and i love her it, w- <laughs> it was like a well-written article and one of the yeah. things that i remembered about it is he is very transparent about saying like hey this is my chance to to cash in like i have this personless like sort of tangential relationship to this person and i'm I'm, he, I think he said whoring himself out. I uh, love my Zoftig wife. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you're right. The piece is actually very self-aware in a yeah. way that Jake could use a little more of. <laughs> hey, I'm an okay. asshole for this, but I've been working hard on these napkins I put my name on, and I have to get rid of these. <laughs> uh, well, all right. So we all love Jake Tapper. That's the moral of the story. Um, King. Closing remarks. On Jake Tapper? Just in general, I wouldn't. Well, do we want to? The world might end any minute. <laughs> I want to brag about the fact that when I was living in D.C. in my twenties, uh, I got Marion Barry to sign a napkin for me. Hello, and, and I still have it framed in my home. Why are you uh, all signing napkins? <laughs> just, that's what was available. It's a D.C. thing. Valuable. Yeah. But, the D.C. Know. napkin. It's a staple. <laughs> Actually, no, it's a napkin. If you lick it, you'll probably get high. <laughs> <laughs> my man. Uh, well, can we talk about? The, uh, the, the I, you wrote a great article in Forward, uh, Thank you. which is a, a great. Oh yeah, the Bernie. Yeah, 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 which is a great website because it's it's really take it's it, this is there's a long-standing uh, trope that all criticism of of Israel is anti-Semitic, uh, but Forward is a really good outlet for. Um, a, diff- a different perspective from yeah. a, also from a Jewish perspective. Yeah, the forward actually this is a timely thing because uh, I think yesterday it was announced that the forward as a print magazine, a print newspaper in both English and Yiddish, which is uh, I think 121 years old, is about to cease publication and their editor in chief and 40% of the staff is going. So as we know, terrible time for media. But the website yeah. is being spared uh, and I know a few people there and I, I believe they're being spared too, I hope so, um, in- including the opinion editor and um, they've actually been running I mean it is a historically working class uh, I think kind of social democratic uh, Yiddish paper with it with an illustrious history um, and uh, this sucks that that the paper is ending uh, but as far as Israel Palestine um, I mean they publish a lot of stuff that I hate frankly but they also publish a lot of stuff that's great and uh, they, they they publish a very wide range of Jewish opinion and opinions about Jewish-related topics, uh, and they've definitely done some of the more sensitive, uh, run some of the more sensitive articles about this whole Farrakhan thing. And uh, to their immense credit, they've run me a couple times, including a piece I did a few weeks ago about Bernie and the significance of Bernie's Jewishness. Um, and uh, basically, the the reason I wrote that piece, it was kind of following up on some things I'd written in that uh, Jeffrey Goldberg article, actually. Uh, some months ago, but but I feel like Bernie's Jewish identity and the historic significance of it has really been given short shrift. Um, I think uh, by uh, 
on the one hand, kind of the Jewish establishment and especially more right-leaning Jewish establishment, uh, which hates Bernie, hates his politics, hates that he's not um, religious, hates that he's critical of Israel, uh, and has decided to, to the extent they address his Jewishness at all, it, it's in articles like, uh, you know, Jamie Kerchick wrote for Tablet three years ago, uh, douchebag, by the way, but um, about, uh, yeah, ba basically, uh, you know, going off about how Bernie is, is, is a bad Jew and the Jews who like him are bad Jews too. Uh, so obviously I hate this shit as a Jew who likes Bernie. Uh, and then, of course, on the other hand, you have kind of Hillary Kratz, whose entire framing for Bernie is that he's a white man. And to be clear, I, I say in the second paragraph of the piece, Bernie is a white man. I don't in any way want to pit whiteness and Jewishness as distinct things. You can be Jewish and white, but uh, and, and most, most Jews are, but um, at least in the US. But I, um, but I still think it's historically important that he's Jewish. And furthermore, uh, I take a personal degree of pride in the type of Jew he is publicly, you know, a Jew who's motivated by social justice concerns and fighting for oppressed people, including Palestinians. Uh, and, uh, you know, who, whose Jewishness is cultural, it's ethnic, it's in his accent, his personal history, you know, his Brooklyn Dodgers fandom as a kid, stuff like that, his father escaping the Holocaust. And, uh, you know, I, I, I feel that that is a valid Jewish identity that often, that is a very common one, especially in New York, but often gets defined out of the kind of official idea of what a Jew is in favor of someone like Joe Lieberman, who when he right. was mm -hmm. when he was picked to be Al Gore's running mate in 2000, it was like, you know, cover story worthy. It was like, this is history. First Jewish vice president, potentially. Right. And and it's like, of course, he's orthodox. APAC vice president. Right. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's orthodox. <laughs> he's a hawk. He's a, more of a well, you know, or for that matter, all these asshole Democrats who are like, Bernie's not a real Democrat. It's like, Bernie Sanders never endorsed John McCain over Barack Obama. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know, yeah. Bernie, Ooh, Bernie sure. Sanders never endorsed the McCain-Palin ticket. Bernie Sanders isn't like, you know, a defense contractor lobbyist now. Like, Joe Lieberman is, you know, what we'd call a Shonda, and yet he gets treated as this, like, authoritative, you know, th this is who the Jews are. That's like figure. a couple steps beyond curvy. <laughs> That's droopy. Uh, yeah. If it's Lieberman, <laughs> for, must be droopy. For, for the... I, I, I just pretend that my audience is entirely left-wing <laughs> secular Jews, but yeah, that, that means a disgrace to the Jewish people. Okay, cool. So, uh, I'm learning a lot. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and, We're going to um, use it. I don't, I don't speak Yiddish, by the way. I just know these expressions. But You just know uh, the cool words. I just know the cool words. The ones well, you throw out on the street. Right, exactly. But, um, but no, I mean, I, I just kind of wanted to register that historic achievement and uh, like assess it properly, contextualize it, and also say... At the end, like, you know, if Bernie were to be nominated and if Bernie were to win, it would be uh, actually a pretty serious repudiation of the alt-right and the kind yeah. of Nazi wing of the Republican Party that gave us Trump. So, which, you know, for, for the, the Hillary Kratz who are like, you know, oh, he's another white man appealing to white supremacists. I'm like, fuck you. Like, this is, this is, this is really disrespectful to... Jews in general and to the history of his family. Right. There's nothing clean about this old bird of a figure you're <laughs> rallying against. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would be a, yeah, a huge blow to that. Well, you know, Trump may not uh, be openly anti-Semitic. He said shitty things, but, like, yeah, his a huge swath of his support base is, like, openly anti-Semitic. And it's weird how, like, the history, I was reading a little bit this weekend about how uh, the history of anti-Semitism has, there has been 
this uh, this sort of imagery we've seen more recently of the Jews, our bankers, they're cr- pulling the strings on the economy. But there's also another side of the coin, uh, in especially in like the early to mid 20th century, yeah, there when coin anders. <laughs> wow. Other wow. <laughs> other side of the tarp. <laughs> Other side of the trade, dr- no. Um, oh, oh, you're being worse. There's a lot of sides <laughs> on it, but they've also been portrayed as, uh, like, uh, as revolutionaries, as like crazy, uh, rabid communists. And you know, Trotsky, of course, was, was a Jew, as that's, was Marx. That's, that's the cool stereotype, right? Yeah, yeah, but it's weird. In Nazi Germany, they kind of like fused them, or in Weimar Germany, like the Nazis took power by fusing those two. That's saying, like, yeah, international finance is somehow tied in with these people who also want a revolution, and they're just they're Jewish. Well, the, uh, way, the way they do it is to make the nation an explicit racial body politic, right? So then mm-hmm. the Jews are parasites who are who are attacking that with foreign uh, capitalism and socialism alike, and and instead of the pure. German Brotherhood, and of course that that is not very far from the views of a fair number of actual Trump supporters. So, uh, and um, yeah, I mean, I, sorry, I lost my train of thought, but yes. Yeah. So uh, vote uh, Paul Wolfowitz in 2020. That's what we're <laughs> saying. Yeah, yeah. Farrakhan 2020. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> well, it's Farrakhan ticket. Fusion oh my ticket. God, yeah. that would fucking rule. Because Farrakhan is a Republican, is what people also get. Uh, mm-hmm. lost but he has Chuck D's support. Or he's like conservative, is is what I should say. But yeah. All right. Well. Yeah. yeah. Want to wrap up? Yeah. Let's wrap up. Um, thanks for coming cool. on. Yeah, yeah, thanks, guys. Thank yeah, you very much, for having David. Us. Where can uh, listeners find you? Uh, honestly, the easiest answer is at David Cleon K L I O N, and uh, whatever the last thing I wrote is will usually be my pinned tweet. Or you can Google me. I I don't have a personal website, but I'm lots of places. Cool, cool. Um, check me out on tour. Uh, it's my pinned tweet. Uh, my tour date is my pinned tweet. Um, it's pretty much all I got going on. Uh, follow me, ACOU official. I have a show tomorrow, Saturday, uh, January nineteenth, Creek in the Cave, eight PM, Creek Bros. It will be a good time. Come by. And you have a big show and next we, Friday. Yes. And then me, Anders, <laughs> and Alex, and our friend Kath Parbadoro have a DSA fundraiser show at Mayday Space on January 25th. 25th, next 25th. Friday. Raising money for the marshals, DSA marshals. If you go to a protest and uh, there's a person running around making sure uh, you don't get arrested. Or hit uh, by a car. Or hit by a car. Uh, the money's going to that. Yeah, uh, raising yeah. money for Marshall Mathers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Marshalls matter. That's right. Um, yeah, you can find more at uh, Twitter at Paid Protest. You can also find me on Twitter at Anders Lee here. At Patak Jokes, and then that's it. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right, uh, and I'll play us out with some some fan music. I had some people send in some music. And Sexy. I'll I'll, uh, I'll tag them in the in the show notes and everything. All right, thanks, y'all. All right. Bye. Peace.